Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. Life is messy, y'all. Laundry's messy. Parenting is messy. Work is messy. Today we're talking about, this is the finale of the series, by the way. We're talking about something that's messy for each and every one of us. We're talking about relationships. Now this ain't, I heard someone say, oh Lord, okay. This ain't like a dating talk. This is relationships. Maybe it's dating. Maybe it's work relationships. Maybe it's with your kids. It could be anything, but we all have relationships and they're messy. All right, by your reaction, I can tell you agree with me. They are messy, messy, messy. Hey, before we get in, I thought this was cool. I kind of wanted to share. Somebody reached out to us on the Instagram, someone in the Graham fam, as they call it, okay? Someone reached out and someone had shared uh, a link to the podcast and someone reached out and they're in Denver and they reached back and said, I listen to the Ascent podcast every week in Denver and it's one of my favorite parts of my week. And I thought that was kind of cool that it's spreading and it's encouraging people and people are spreading the news. So I thought it would be cool if we shout out Denver. Can y'all give some love to Denver, everybody? Come on. There you go. Sounds good. Yes. People are cheering for the Broncos. We're not going to get into that. It's going to get ugly real quick in here. It's all good. It's all good. Here's the point, y'all, is that relationships are messy. And the messiest part of relationships, though, is communication. That's what we're going to really hammer on today is communication, because communication is the foundation of all relationships. I communicate for a living, and I stink at it. I'm not good at it. I hope I do okay on Sundays, but ask my wife. I have some issues with communication, all right? I get tired. I cut corners. I forget I say things. I'm all over the place sometimes. And also, I wanted to tell you with my staff team, sometimes I don't communicate well. I forget to tell them things. I leave stuff out. It's a problem for me. And I would guess it's a problem for you too. So this sermon matters to you if you are married, if you want to get married, if you're dating, if you used to date, if you have kids, maybe your kids, someone's laughing at that. Um, If you have kids, maybe they're going from fifth grade to sixth grade. And you're like, how do I talk to a middle schooler? Maybe they're going into high school. How do I talk to a high school or maybe to college or beyond? You know, how, do, how do I communicate? How do I have a relationship with someone in the stage of life that I've never been in before? How do I talk to my wife? How do I talk to my husband in this new stage of life? If that's you, then today is going to be important to you. Why don't we pray and then we'll dig in. We'll kick this bad boy off. Father God, I ask you to meet us here. God, each and every one of us has a different, um, maybe some different baggage, some different issues coming at it when we talk about relationships or communication. So God, I ask you to bless us today. I ask that we can uh, get to know you in a deeper level. And um, God, just help us get to know you in a more intimate way. We love you. And um, we thank you for meeting us here. In your son's good name, amen. Communication, words in general, is a huge theme in the scripture. Jesus Christ is called the word of God. Okay, it's one of his titles. So words are important, all right? When God created the world, how did he do so? He spoke it through words. Okay, how about our salvation? When, when someone receives salvation, it must be done through words. Words are hugely significant in the Bible, but they're very, very, very difficult. You see, they're simple, but they're difficult. See, some of y'all think if something's simple, it's easy. No, 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 no. Things can be simple, but difficult. Communication is very simple. It's not, you know, super complicated, but it's hard to do. It's hard to do well. It's hard to do in an honoring way. It's very hard to do. Some things are complicated and difficult. All right, you ever play that game, Settlers of Catan? Where are the nerds at? Oh, don't you even pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. Where are you three nerds in the house? It's okay. It's okay. There you go. A few people fessing up. 
Someone tried to teach me. That junk was complicated. I'm just going to talk to y'all for a second. I didn't know what was going on. This one tic-tac-toe, this one shoots and ladders. This was some crazy stuff, okay? So maybe that's a bad illustration, but y'all are vibing with me. It's complicated. That's not communication. It's simple, but it's still hard to do. It's very, very difficult. So I'm going to give you three little principles today. And they may be so profound, it might knock your socks off. Because this is some heavy theological stuff that you might not be ready for today. Ready for the first principle? It's deep. It's deep. Ready? Be kind. Right? See, that's simple, but that's hard to do. Because you need to realize this. Christians can be some of the most judgmental people on the whole planet. Has you, have you ever had a Christian talk down to you? Oh, somebody's fired up. Have you ever had someone roll their eyes at you? What in the heavens is going on? (laughs) I was like, Panasonic, what book is that? (laughs) First Panasonic. I said, is that my notes? I don't think I'll put that in there. So they're going to work on that. Give it up for the production crew. Dealing with stuff that I don't even know about. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So Christians can be harsh. They can look down at you. Maybe you're at a family reunion. Someone rolls their eyes at you. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I was at the Mission Barbecue. Do y'all know the Mission Barbecue? A few of you do. You know the brisket, okay? I was eating my brisket and I was meeting with this couple and they're getting married soon. So we were talking about the wedding and planning it and I was giving them some counseling. And, you know, they they were telling me, we don't want a long wedding. We want like 20 minutes. And I said, that's fine. We can do that. It's not any less special. We can do a short wedding. Um, as a communicator, I can tell when y'all aren't paying attention. I can tell when you start to glaze over. And there's a point in a wedding, because everyone's hungry based on the nature of the wedding. You hit 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 minutes. People, I, I, you know, I go from the guy who pronounces him husband and wife to the guy that's between you and cocktail hour. The guy that's between you and bacon. I can smell the bacon wrapped scallops in the other room. I, I, I become a bad guy pretty quick. Pretty, pretty quick. So I said, we can do quick. It's fine. Whatever you want to do, it's your day, blah, blah, blah. Well, I didn't notice because of the brisket. There was a family right next to us, like two inches away, two inches away. And I'm telling her it doesn't have to be long. And this lady, I've never seen her before. She says, my wedding was an hour and it was very special. And I thought she was messing with me. And I said, oh, that's really cool. That's great. I love that. And, she, and then she, she ramps it up. She said, and you should stop telling them that it has to be short. And so now I get a little upset because I'm at a meeting and I'm full of brisket. So I'm just fired up. And so I say, excuse me. It's a little rude to just jump into my conversation. You know, with all due respect, we're having a conversation. And she said, well, you're being loud. I'm about to have it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm about to have it. So I stood up. I stood up and I said, excuse me, if you'd like, if you'd like us to, we'd love to move. I'm a loud natured person. I'm trying to be as nice as I can, but she can tell I'm starting to get a little angry. Her poor husband was eating lunch like this. He wouldn't look up. I could see him sweating, thinking, good Lord, honey, not again, not again with the wedding thing. I tried to be polite and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be rude, but it looked like they just came from church. It did. They were having a family lunch. They were dressed pretty nice. They looked good. And I couldn't help but think, man, I've been in that position a hundred times and I bet you have too. Some of you have walked away from your faith because of what a Christian has said to you. Maybe they butted into your life. Maybe you didn't ask it. They gave their unsolicited opinion, their advice, even if you didn't want to hear it. But I wanted to tell you to not get mad at Jesus 
because someone claiming to follow Jesus is acting a fool. Don't get mad at him because someone claiming to know him and follow him is acting a fool, being rude, looking down their nose at you, being a jerk. Look what scripture says. Galatians 6.1 says this. Paul wrote this. Paul says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. Somebody say gently. Gently. Meaning if someone messes up, hurts you, offends you, you should say something about it, but do it gently. Okay, that's simple, that's simple, but that's still very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult to do. I love what it says, you who live by the Spirit. It's kind of reminding us, hey, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if the Holy Spirit's in your life and in your heart, hey, um, yeah, you're gonna need him for this. You're gonna need him to be patient. You're gonna need him to slow down. You're gonna need him to, 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 to not make a scene at Mission Barbecue, okay? I'm glad I didn't have my Ascent shirt on. Um, and I hope they're not here today. I had that thought. I was like, they're going to be at church next week and be like you. Um, no, I, I haven't seen them. Um, but it, it could happen. That would be terribly awkward. Terribly awkward. You see, we don't like to restore someone with gentleness. You know what we like to do? We like to vent to our spouse. We like to vent on Facebook. You've seen those rants on Facebook. And sometimes you're like, I think that's about me. You ever seen that? Like you ever have a little tiff with someone and then someone posts on Facebook, a real Christian wouldn't do that. And you're like, oh man, they're talking about me. I think that's for me. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's difficult to restore someone in a spirit of gentleness, but there's no truer form of love to sit down with a friend who you love dearly and look them in the eye and say, hey man, the way you're going down, it's going to ruin your marriage. It's going to sever the relationship with your kids. You're going to get fired because of that. That's not being rude. That is one of the purest form of love, forms of love that exists. I love what Paul says. He says, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. You also may be tempted. And that can mean many things. I think the temptation is you could feel like a boss. You could feel like Christian 2.0, like a super Christian. You could be like, well, let me tell you what the Bible actually says. Okay. You could be puffed up with pride, feeling strong, feeling powerful. You could feel pretty tempted. You could get pretty arrogant. Another reason I think he says, um, you also may be tempted is this, because maybe this week I'm restoring you in a spirit of gentleness. But next week you might have to pick me up because that last week I stripped, I fell, I made a mistake and I needed your help along the way. I love what Paul also says. He says this, this is the very next verse. I think he's giving us an explanation on how we do this. He says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. That. It's how we restore someone in a spirit of gentleness, carrying someone else's burdens. You need to realize how you speak to someone who has no power over you reveals your true heart and reveals your true character. How you speak to someone who has absolute no power of you reveals everything about you and nothing about them. Kissing the boss's butt, okay? being a suck up to the boss because you want to get that money. You want to get that promotion. But treating the new, the new girl like she's garbage. She hadn't earned it yet. Does that say something about her or you? It says something about you. Treating your friends, you know, you got a business and I'm not mad at your business or your side business or your main business. That's cool. But, you know, sometimes you get a Facebook message from someone you hadn't talked to in 20 years and you're like, here it comes. And they want to tell you about their raps. I could probably use that. All right. Or their, their oils or their shakes. I'm not mad if you're selling shakes, but the second I say I'm not interested, boom, 10 more years, I won't hear from them again. 
And you know that it's a long message they send you. I'm like, here it comes. What are we, what are we pushing now? What are we pushing now? I feel used. I feel networked. How about this? How about this? Let's say you suck up to your rich friends. You know what I'm saying? They got a boat. Ooh, they got a pool. You're like, I'm going to get an invite. I'm going to be real nice. I'm going to invite you to stuff. Maybe you'll invite me to the pool. Maybe we'll go out on the boat. But that homeless person you pass every day, you treat them like they're a squirrel. You don't even look at them. Like, a, whatever. Do you even, you, I mean, you don't say this, but you think, do they? you don't know their name. You don't know what their story is. This is what we do. This is what we do. Perhaps it's your spouse. Maybe your spouse messes up and you say, you're, you're at your boiling point. And you, my friend said this to his wife. I can't believe he's still alive. My friend said this to his spouse. He said, you know what he said? He said, you're acting just like your mother. I thought I was about to do his funeral. Ladies and gentlemen, I said, it's time. I'm going to write it out for you. I can't believe he said, that's what he said. That's what he said. Maybe you tell your kids, finally, you had, you've had enough. And you say, I've always known you'd amount to nothing. Always known you're lazy. Some of you have said this. Some of you have had this said to you. Words have so much power. How do we handle this struggle? Not by trying harder, not by staring in the mirror and saying, try harder, be a better Christian, be a better person. No, no, no. The only way we can change this about our lives is to focus on the gospel. And you might say, what is the gospel? The gospel of Christianity is this. It's that we are more sinful and flawed than we would ever dare believe. But at the exact same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we would ever dare that's the Christian message. That's it right there. And if you live your life like that, like, look, God, God loves me. He's got a plan for me. Even though I'm sinful and flawed, even though I have mistakes, he's still working in my life. He's still got a plan. That is the thing that can change your heart. That is the only thing. Because did you know that God restored you in a spirit of gentleness? And he's only asking you to do to others what he has done for you. The exact same thing. When he saw you down in the dumps, a slave to your sin, dead to your trespasses, drowning in guilt, no hope, no destiny, no future. Do you know what he said to you? Do you know what he said? Not stay down there. You deserve it. Even though we did. Not look at you. You're hopeless. Even though we were. Do you know what he said to you? He reached out his hand and he called you child. He called you beloved. He called you the apple of his eye. He got down in the muck and he picked you up and he restored you in a spirit of gentleness. And that's the exact same thing he calls us to do for others. And only by focusing on that truth, only by realizing, my God, he did the same thing for me. Can we extend that to others? I didn't say today was going to be easy. I said it was going to be difficult. We must be kind. Number two, we must be clear. We must be clear. My second grade teacher, and I don't know how I remember this, but she had a, a sign up in her room. And looking back, it was, it was some rules so we wouldn't bother her, okay? It was kind of like this. And the parents were like, I kind of like this. It was, it was some things like, if someone's messing with you, here's what you do. It's not come tell the teacher. It's number one, ignore them, right on. Number two, um, ask them to be nice. Number three, walk away. Number four, bring a friend and ask them to walk away. Number five, number blah, blah, blah. Like number 20, it's like, tell the teacher. But you had to get there first. It was, there was, it was down the steps a little bit, which I thought was fascinating. And the parents, it's, it's kind of a nice idea. I like it. And I didn't quite get this, how this applies to us, but actually Jesus has the same thing. I didn't know he did, but he did in Matthew 16. I'll read it for you. It says, and if you have the YouVersion Bible app, all our notes are in there. I know we can't see behind me, but if you want to follow along, Matthew 16, 15. Jesus said this. He said, if your brother or sister sins, Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, 
you have won them over. Meaning if you're mad, if you're bitter, if you're fired up, if you feel like you've been hurt or betrayed or stung, you know what we're supposed to do? Go directly to the person. Go directly to them. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be, we need to talk. We need to get coffee. No, you can just be like, hey man, you told that joke. It kind of offended me. I wish you wouldn't say that again. Hey, you know, I, I, I I, I didn't think this was me, but you know, you had that party, you invited everyone from group and I wasn't included. It, it, it kind of hurt my feelings. Was there a reason? It doesn't have to be a big thing, but we have to go directly to the person. Sometimes we harbor this tension for a long time. We had someone, and I don't mind calling them out because it's what I'm supposed to be doing. It's fun for me to make everyone uncomfortable. I love it. I love it. We had someone who was mad for months because someone didn't follow them back on Instagram. This is an adult this is not student ministry on Wednesday nights. And I'm not trying to make anyone mad, but they were, there was tension and I could feel it and I could smell it. And a month or two later, in fact, it bubbled up. Well, I followed her. She didn't follow me. I'm not going to say any more about it. The point is this, go to you just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. Let's move on. But if they will not listen, bring one or two others along. Okay, so step one, I'm gonna go to you, say, hey, I followed you. You didn't follow me back. It hurt my feelings. It upset me a little bit. Can we talk about it? Okay, if they say, I don't wanna talk about it, then I'm gonna bring a few more people. Okay, and that's a silly example. Let's pick a serious one. Let's say you have an addiction or a lifestyle or something that's destroying your marriage. And I sit you down and I say, hey, I love you. I want what's best for you. But I think the path you're going down could be disastrous for you in months or years. And they ignore me. Well, then I'm bringing my squad. I'm bringing my group. I'm bringing a few people. We're going to all sit you down out of love and have this conversation. If they still ignore you, 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector, meaning an outsider. Here's Jesus' process. Step one, go right to the person. Step two, then bring someone else. Or two or three. Step three, then bring everyone. See, that's a clean process. It's being very direct. We're not good at being direct. We're a text message society. Ironically, we're more connected than ever before, but I think we suck at communication more than ever before too. We haven't learned to have hard conversations, to look someone in the eye and give them bad news. We don't quite know how to do that. We don't do Jesus's process. We do this. Here's here's the steps we use. Ready? Step one, we get offended. Then step two, we whine. Then step three, we gossip. Then step four, we lose sleep. Step five, we foam at the mouth or flail on the floor. Next one, we do a Facebook rant. Next up, we vent. Finally, we text them, maybe. And the final step is we either reconcile or part ways. Here's Jesus' process. Go right to the person. Go right to the person. Don't skip that step. Go right to the person. This is a process that could save your marriage your professional career. It could save our church. And I'll call you out on a flat with this on a flat saying, because I have some people they'll call me or they want to have a meeting with me and I'll sit down with them. And the first thing they say is I'm mad at so-and-so. They're not pulling their weight. They're not doing their job. They didn't do this or that or that. And the first question I ask them, well, did you talk to them about it? Well, not yet. I don't want to be offensive. We would rather be disobedient to God than offensive to a person. And I hope you feel that weight a little bit because what I said is a little jarring. I'm going to say it again. We as a society, we would rather be disobedient to God than offend someone else. But it's 100% true. That's what we do. 
We'd rather hold it, sit on it, sleep on it. It's going to drive us crazy. It's going to drive us nuts because that's exactly what it does. We can't forget step one. Somebody say respect the steps. When you screw up the steps, you create distrust, disunity, and it gives the devil a foothold. Watch what it does because we have to be kind. We have to be clear. We have to be quick because relational conflicts with others impact your relationship with God. Did you know that? When you have beef with someone else, it affects your relationship with God. Our horizontal relationships always affect our vertical ones every single time. And it's easy to say, oh, well, it's not really doing it. It absolutely does. Look what Paul said in Ephesians. He said, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. It's an intentional thing. We have to put off falsehood. It's not just going to happen. You have to intentionally put it off, throw it off, put it off, and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are, for we are all members of one body. I love this next verse. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Meaning this, if you're angry, yes, we should be direct. But if you're angry, if you're fired up, don't just do a knee-jerk reaction. Don't just say, gotcha. Don't get, don't let your anger boil over and lash out and see something hurtful or rude. No, no, no. In your anger, do not sin. But look at the following part of the verse. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. We have to balance these two tensions. Right on. In your anger, do not sin. Don't do anything that's gonna, you're gonna regret. But at the same time, don't even let the sun go down. Now, this isn't literally, oh, it's sunset. I better call him. No, no, no. It's saying, don't stew on it. Don't stew on it. Don't sit on it. Don't let time go by. Because Paul says this. It says, he says, do not give the devil a foothold. When you leave a vacancy between conflict and clarity, the devil himself will take up residence. Let me say that again. When you leave a a space, a gap, a vacancy between conflict and clarity, the devil himself will take up residence. Meaning if there's a fight in your group or with your spouse or with your neighbor or with your coworker, and maybe it's a day, maybe it's a week. Some of y'all have been bickering for months or years. However long that space is, Satan's going to fill in that space. He's going to use it as a foothold. Do you know what a foothold is? He's trying to get in. He's trying to grab your marriage, but it's slippery. He's trying to get into you, mess, mess you up at work. He's trying to mess up your finances. He's trying to mess up this church. But if he doesn't have a foothold, he can't get any traction. But what this does, it gives the devil a foothold. You didn't realize it, but you gave the devil a foothold. That's why you have such bad anxiety because you're not dealing with crap when it comes to your plate. I'm going to pray about it for two months. Let me be unspiritual for a minute. Does this say anything about praying about it? Does it say, oh, well, pray and decide. No, no, no. Jesus spoke it. We don't have to decide it. He said, go to the person, be direct. I'm not saying we should pray for strength. We should pray daily, but you shouldn't have to make a decision about this. You shouldn't have to go to God and say, God, is this something you want me to do? It's very clear. He wants us to communicate. He wants us to be direct. This is the reason you're so insecure because you don't actually talk to people about it. You're assuming, you're walking around. I wonder what they said about me. I wonder if they know about this. I wonder if this is going on. Everything is like this house of cards about to collapse. This is where so many of our problems come from. Satan loves it. He absolutely loves it. This is how he wants to destroy this church. This is how he wants to destroy your marriage. This is how he wants to break up your finances. There's this conflict. It hasn't been resolved. And he's just in the middle of it, stirring the pot, making you lose sleep, making you worry, getting in your head, causing all kinds of crazy. Look how far Jesus takes this. This is pretty extreme. Jesus says this. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, 
And then you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. This is what Jesus says. You roll into church. Let's say you plan to give. You got a check or you want to give today. That's cool. You go into church. You're feeling good. You're like, I follow him on Instagram. I know the set list. I'm feeling this. It's going to be a good day. I got my spooky donuts. I'm feeling good. Got a good seat. It's not comfy, but it's a good seat. I'm ready for worship to start. And then, oh, look who's here. It's Becky. Who does she think she is? I saw what she was doing last week. She's going to do that and then come to church and put her hands up. Who does she think she is? How dare her not invite me to that group? Who does she think she is? Am I not good enough to be in your group? Can you believe she said that? I heard what she said to that other person about me. I can't believe Becky. Becky. Now, if that's your attitude, do you think you're able to worship? Not at all. Not one bit. And that's how some of you are. Maybe the person sitting next to you, maybe they're miles away. It doesn't matter. If you have that beef, if you have that tension, if it's weighing down on you, Jesus said, you wrote a check, cool, drop it, go talk to them first, and then we'll get our worship on. Because horizontal conflicts always jack up our vertical ones. They always do. You're not listening to me. When that person four, four, four seats down, you said, well, I should have got that leadership role, not them. I should have been asked to lead the group, not them. Satan's going to work through it. But Jesus is the opposite because God is a God of reconciliation and restoration and unity and oneness. He breaks down barriers and he brings people together. If you stay stuck in your just misguided communication, you will always give the devil a foothold. But once you realize you have everything you need for clarity, for kindness, through the spirit, through the gospel, through his grace, you can look in the devil's face and say, not today, Satan, stay off my marriage, stay off my finances, stay out of my church. There's no room for you in this place. That's what you can tell him. That's what you can tell him. But you got to be active. It's not just going to happen. You may have to be a little uncomfortable. You may have to be direct. I don't want to offend someone. Well, you're being disobedient. Do you want to be direct or do you want to have problems in worship? Something's going to get messed up. Is this going to get messed up or is your relationship with God going to mess up? I know what I would choose. I absolutely know what I would choose. Guys, I can't stress this enough. Don't, Don't leave this sermon today. Don't leave this week thinking the pastor said try harder. No, no, no. I'm not saying try harder, try harder. I'm saying lean into the gospel more. When you realize the defining principle of your life, that Jesus loved you, that he has a plan for your life, that he died for you, that he restored you in a spirit of gentleness, we just have to do the same for others. The more that sinks down into your heart and becomes such a fundamental aspect of your being, the more and more and more we can live that way. But that's the only way to do it. You see, Jesus Christ was the incarnate son of God. He lived the perfect life. He died the perfect death. He lived and died as our substitute. Meaning when Jesus came here, really simply for this, he took on your sin, my sin, everyone's sin. He took it upon himself and he took the punishment we received that we deserved rather. He, he, He took that upon himself on the cross. One of the consequences of sin, of disobedience from God is actually this. You maybe never realize this. It's actually trouble with communicating with God. And that's where so many of our problems come from because I'm gonna be honest with you. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was listening, 
that he was close, that he loved you, that you were the apple of his eye, that, 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 that you were his prize. You wouldn't worry about a thing. You would have no problems offending someone. You, no, 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 you wouldn't have any of that if you knew. But deep down we worry, does he really hear me? Is he really there? Does he really hear my prayers? Is he close with me? Those are the things we ask ourselves. Something that Jesus Christ did on the cross, you may not realize this. He took our punishment and all the consequences of sin. One of the things he took was this. For all eternity, whenever Jesus Christ spoke to God, the Father, he answered. My Father, my Son, they were right here. But for the first time, and for the last time in eternity, when Jesus Christ called out to his Father, the Father turned his back on him. The only time Jesus Christ dialed his number, you know what God did? He ignored the call. You see, Jesus Christ took silence from God so that you and I can have communication with God. Jesus Christ took silence with God on the cross so that you and I can have the promise that every thought we've ever had, God's gonna hear it. Every prayer we've ever prayed, that we've ever prayed, every dream we've ever dreamed, God is right there listening. He is so, so close to us. I want you to realize that today. Because of what Jesus did, we have open access to the Father. We have open communication with the Father. When we worship, he hears it and he receives it. When we pray, when we vent, when we're scared, he is right there saying, my child, I'm with you. And whatever life throws at you this week, however many people offend you or hurt you, may we as Christians, may we do this, may we try to our best to restore them in a spirit of gentleness, just as God did for me for you. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you today. God, we struggle with communication. We struggle with words. God, help us learn to restore others in a spirit of gentleness. God, help us learn to be kind. Help us learn to be direct, not from our own power, not from our own ability, but simply through the cross. God, you said in your word, we're going to need the Holy Spirit. Father, we don't need the Holy Spirit for an hour on Sunday. We don't need it here and there when we pray. God, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives, saturating every single moment because we can't do it without you. Father God, I thank you for Jesus' sacrifice. I thank you that Jesus took on our sin, our shame, and I thank you that he died in our place. I thank you, God, that Jesus took the silence that we deserve, that you turned your back on him, Father, instead of turning your back on on us, Father. I love you. Father, we love you. And if anyone here in the sound of my voice does not know you or wants to know you deeper in a more close way, perhaps, God, if anyone here has ever doubted that you are real or that you hear our prayers, or that you love us, God, I'd love to pray specifically for you. If you need some encouragement right now, I'd be honored to pray for you. With every head down and all eyes closed, if you need prayers, maybe for strength to get through a difficult conversation or for the ability to maybe be a little bit more direct or maybe just encouragement to know that God is real and that he does have your back and that he does hear you every single prayer, every single thought. If that's you, I'd love to lift you up right now. If, if this is you, would you boldly just stick your hand up in the air and I can pray for you right now. Amen. You can put your hands down. Father God, everyone who put their hands up, God, give us boldness. Give us the boldness of a lion. May we not be fearful of what others will say. God, may we not give the devil a foothold. 
God, may we not doubt that, God, that your love is overwhelming. God, may we feel your love each and every second, each and every day. God, if we're facing difficult conversations or difficult talks or difficult whatever, God, guide us through it. Guide us through it, Holy Spirit. In your son's good name we pray. Amen. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.